0: Patrick a pitch from the Carlton Footy Club and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johanesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell your normal football club. This is Matt Fyfe from the Fremantle Footy Club and you're listening to the Coaches Panel.
1: Number 36 in the 50 most relevant, Western Bulldogs. Brand new skipper too, Marcus Bontempelli. This 25 year old has been pretty much since he broke onto the scene, has been a fantasy footy favorite. Last year, well, he found another gear. And can he do it in 2020? That is what we are going to discuss on this episode. Joining me to do it, I've got Tim again. Hello, mate. G'day. Uh, Let's talk about this new skipper as a midfielder for the Doggies. Gosh, he found this new realm of scoring last year. Um, His ceiling got better across the formats. His consistency got better across the formats. And no surprise he got his best ever fantasy ceiling and his best ever fantasy footy season. His best score in AFL Fantasy last year came against the Brisbane Lions. It was a 139. In that same game for, for Supercoach was his best score too, a 166. He is going to have an average, and that is where he's priced at this year, of 114 in Supercoach, his best ever, and a 104.6 in AFL Fantasy. When we do talk about him, Tim, he has been this pretty much prior to this year like a really consistent really reliable probably more draft relevant although at the right run he's been good for us in salary cap formats you know like between 2015 and 18 he's averaged 92, 98, 192 in fantasy and dream team 107, 102, 105, 104 in super coach prior to this year he's been a really strong pick without ever kind of banging the door down for fantasy coaches to must pick him
0: yeah definitely across across seasons definitely but i know like last year he has had patches in seasons yeah so he has had like half seasons a couple of times at least where he's been playing pure midfield and he's banged out uh, i think 120 super coach average he's done for a half season once or twice he's done 110 plus for half seasons in fantasy um it's just a matter of him playing that pure midfield role, which he basically did last year. Yeah. And um, geez, when he's in it, doesn't he look good? Wouldn't you love to have this guy in your AFL team?
1: Oh, he's one of those players that anyone that doesn't support the Bulldogs goes, oh, geez, I don't, I, I love how good he is and I don't love him because of how good he is and he's just absolutely damaging you. He is, he's one of the most complete footballers in the game. And look, to be fair, Historically, it has been more of a super coacher than an AFL fantasy and dream team player. Just given, even when he has had to play forward, his ability to win contested marks, goal assists, things that help add to the scoring in those formats. But really. Last year was his best year and everything went right. You're right. He he moved into that midfield exclusively. He rates elite in the, in the league for clearances, contested and uncontested possessions, disposals, inside fifties and goal assists. In Supercoach, if we were to look at his year in detail, he averaged 114. 13 tons of those hundreds, nine of them were 120 plus and five of those 13 tons were 140 or more. Gosh, that's some ceiling. And then you add to that only two scores below 90 all year. He ended up being ranked sixth for total points in all of Supercoach and ranked 10th overall in Supercoach by average. Gosh, he's a pretty good player.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's not like he didn't spend any time in the mid in the forward line yeah. either. Like some people were kind of hoping he might sneak forward status. Yeah. In um fantasy and super coach this year. But uh even as a pure mid, he's as you said, he's still one of the top guys. I think you said he was sixth overall for mm. points. I think if you take out the Ruckman he was fourth. Yep. So basically fourth in terms of people who will be pure mids this year.
1: Yeah, well it was pretty much only McRae, Dunkley who are his teammates, and Neil who scored more total points than him that are midfield eligible this year. That, that's how good he was last year in Supercoach. Uh, and it feels weird to be talking about him this low in you know, in contrast for the 50 most relevant. Don't worry, we'll get to that in just a moment. But it wasn't just a great year in Supercoach. He replicated a strong year in Dream Team and Fantasy, an average of 104, 13 tons in that format again for the year. And about half of them were scores of 120 or more and in terms of basement, just the two scores below 80 all season. He Ranked 13th for total points um, overall for the year. And in terms of averages, he was ahead of guys like Zorko and Cripps. Canelio, it's a bit dangerous because he had that zero in the average. But still, you know, Zorko and Cripps, one of them we've already seen in the 50 most relevant. Yet he's out averaging them. He was brilliant.
0: Absolutely. And if you had him, you know, during the season, you would have been loving it.
1: Oh, there's no question about that. One of the previous reasons for not starting him and the coaches went, look, he's a great player and I love watching him, but I can't start him in my side was because of that inconsistency of role. But last year, he wasn't needed as much as that forward presence. Aaron Norton's really developing to be, he looks like he's going to be one of the best key forwards in the game in time. Josh Shackey is emerging slowly, more slowly than probably people wanted, but he's developing the addition of Sam Lloyd, I think, well, he's not a tall forward in one regards, he's a marking player, um, he wasn't needed to play. And then I think it's only going to get better this year with Josh Bruce coming into the side as well.
0: Josh Bruce, yep. So that sort of leads into the question which we were talking about with his, him playing midfield is better for him scoring. Um, what will his role be? Is there any risk of it changing? So as you just went through, their forward line looks pretty solid. Mm. Um, is there any risk of him having a play up forward? I mean, there's always, I guess... Bevo is one of those coaches where you never quite know. I mean, if things are rolling, when they're on a winning streak, they tend to leave it. It's true. Um, yeah, it's very true. So, but the Bulldogs are not like the Richmond of this year in that they go in as raging favorites. No. So it's no guarantee the Bulldogs are just going to roll ahead and win every game. So what would have to happen for Bont to be chucked significantly up forward to hurt his, his average, do you think? Like well, you, you, you touch on them.
1: You answer them. I I think, you know, the only addition that's coming to the midfield for the, the Bulldogs this year is a potentially fit Tom Liberatore, um, who, who's very one-dimensional in terms of he's a, he's a midfielder through and through. Um, he's not the kind of guy that Bevo loves to be able to have players that are versatile, that can play multiple roles. Liber's not that. Um, we did see the emergence of Lipinski come in late through the year. McLean spent a lot of time forward. I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's If they start to lose and need to make some adjustments, if that forward line isn't clicking with Josh Bruce coming in and they need to make some changes, I, I think you're right. And, and their year does start. It's not the easiest start to the year. They open up against the Magpies. Carlton, many believe, are going to continue on how they ended the year, which is much more competitive. GWS, North Melbourne, Brisbane, Port Adelaide, Hawthorne, and really the only probably bankable, like, yes, we're going to win this, no question, is against Gold Coast in round eight. Those first seven games, some more than others, feel more winnable, but it's not the easiest run to start the year. Yeah, I think
0: you could bank around too. yeah I'm, I'm, try- I'm trying down. to build
1: up some <laughs> other teams. <laughs> are you talking about the round one against Collingwood or
0: that uh, depends where that's played actually. Is that at MCG or Docklands? just basically what I'm going to say is if it's at the MCG, I think the Pies have a better record. If it's at Docklands, the Bulldogs be every chance to. It's at Marvel roll out. there you go. Okay. so then it's not as hard a game, I think for the doggies. Oh, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Basically, so basically the main risks to his role are, you know bad run of form for the team. Sure. Or injuries. Yep, uh, uh, that's pretty fair. That aside, he's likely to stay in that.
1: I think so, and then it, it does bring an interesting point. If he stays in the midfield, let's let's run with that, because I'm probably leaning more of that belief right now that you've got to keep agree, him yeah. in the midfield, especially yeah. now that he's the captain. He's going to want to lead from the front. He always has anyway. Yeah, he, so but, it's
0: basically saying there is a risk that he doesn't stay in that role, it's just but a it factor. seems less likely.
1: Look, it means in Supercoach, if you're jumping on him, yep, you're paying for him at 114, but the worst-case scenario, you're probably going to get 104, 105, 107, which is what he's done the past few years. Again... Drop a ten points, worst case scenario, but still a one oh five average. You'll take that as a bad um thing. Here's my question. I'm keen on your take. Not every team runs taggers, but who's the number one tag target at the Western Bulldogs now? Look, Dunkley's a great player. I don't think he's a tag target though. No. I think it's coming down to McRae or Bond. Is is there a clear tag? a tagging target out of those two? Or is it going to be dependent on the type of tagger and the type of game style they come up against?
0: Look, I think the the difference would be that if Bont gets tagged, he will probably just go forward. Sure. Um, which, again, will hurt his scoring a little. And, mm. you know, maybe not in a one-off game. Who knows how he goes. He might kick a, a few goals. But yeah. But across the season, if it happened a lot, it wouldn't help him. Um, but that tends to mean that, you know, teams would be less likely to do it because you then have to swap players or he might kill you up forward. or, um, Yeah, look, I'm not sure. It probably really depends on the each opposition coach as to how, who they're going to pick uh, or if they even pick any. I know tagging seems to come and go a little bit in vogue over the last few years.
1: No, it certainly does seem to do that. Look, we talk about those opening few matches that we mentioned just a minute ago. Really, GWS are the only side that are notoriously known for running a tagger. Um, over the past 12 months. I know Carlton have done it at times. Collingwood have done it at times. Brisbane have done it at times. But it's Matt DeBoer of GWS that's probably the most prominent that's running through there. So it'll be fascinating to see who he, if he's playing, um, and I think he will, by the way, um, who he goes to in that matchup. And then the only other thing that I've got as a question mark around Bont or a factor that you need to look at is he's got a, He's got a good buy-in-one regards. Round 14 means if you start him as a premium, you're going to get 13 out of 13 games. Should he be fit? Not 12 out of 13 or anything like that. But there are some pretty popular midfield premiums rolling through that. Ward, potentially. Taranto. Canelio. Kelly. A couple of crouches and a Sloan might be considered through there. Tom Mitchell, Jaeger O'Meara is still very much in people's equations. And then he's got a couple of teammates that you've got to rank him up against too in McRae and Dunkley. That's a lot of big midfield premiums to rank him up against.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So round 14, oh, this is 14 the yeah. last buy round, which is not necessarily awkward if he's a lock for your team, sure. but if, you're, if he's someone where you're like, look, as we talked about earlier, is he priced at his highest point? Sure. I mean... Potentially not. I mean, if he's pure midfield, could he improve on that a little bit? Yeah, it's possible. But if you look at his full season average every season, this is the highest price he's he's ever been at. So from that point of view, he's almost the highest price. And with that small bit of risk with his role, he might just be someone you'd prefer to upgrade to. Mm. Since he's in that that round, that's really awkward. So you're not going to upgrade to him during the buy rounds because he's in the last round. Sure. So you'd need to start with him or you'd need to have him before that. And given those other players you mentioned, some of those are quite or uh, underpriced, really. So yeah. you've got like a Josh Kelly yeah. was a bit injured. Callan Ward, Tom Mitchell.
1: Cornelio's underpriced if you factor that zero average. <laughs> yep, score absolutely. So you've there.
0: got all those guys plus the other top premiums like his teammates. Um, it That just makes it that little bit awkward.
1: It's another variable to consider, isn't it, whether or not you start
0: him. Yeah, I mean, look. It's sort of arguing over semantics a little bit. Sure. He's going to be a fantastic pick for no you, doubt. but will he be, you know... Sorry, maybe not fantastic. He will be a good pick for you regardless, but will he be the best pick of those? That's where the risk is. A bit a bit annoying.
1: Well, it's the thing where you as the coach have to get all the good information that you possibly can and, and make as best an informed decision as possible. There are so many good options that week, and one of the things that might actually tilt you in the favor is so many people choosing the likes of the Mitchells, the Canelios, the Kelly's Um, you know maybe you like Matt Crouch to bounce back after running home last year or something like that maybe you like Dunkley and McRae all of a sudden his ownership numbers for a guy that delivered really strong numbers last year could be crazily low so he might actually end up being that fantastic point of difference for you if you are looking for a unique option out of that buy round
0: yeah, great point, great point. So it might even come down to you for you what's his ownership at round one as yeah. to whether you want to start with him or not.
1: Yeah, it's true. All of these things need to be variables that go into the mixing pot for the decisions that you make for guys. Let's talk about where he goes in a draft. Is it as simple as he's an M1 in Supercoach and an M2 in Dream Team and Fantasy or is there, are there more complexities
0: to that? Oh, I think think that's pretty much what it's going to be. Okay, Like if you got him... There's anything lower than an M1 for your midfield and super coach, you'd be like, you'd be wondering what happened. You probably
1: <laughs> would. It might be people thinking, oh, I'm going to go and maybe more positional is where it is. Maybe you've got a, a selection late in round one, you're on the turn, and people are wanting to lock away the Whitfields, the Martins, the Gorns, the Grundys, and all of a sudden you've got four or five picks in. People jump early on a Tom Mitchell, and so you might get lucky with him as you're Second yeah. selection in a draft. Yeah, I guess That's he'd lucky. be one
0: of those sort of four or five guys yeah. who are all pretty close and one of them might drop to the second round. Yeah, I,
1: th- I think so. In fantasy, would you be okay with him as your M1 or is that feeling like you're, you're running a bit light, assuming you've clearly loaded up in
0: another line? I wouldn't be real happy with him as M1 in fantasy, yeah. particularly if it's a league that has captains, yes. just because what happens if he's your M1 and you relying on him as one of your two captain choices and he goes back forward, then it's like a double whammy. Sure. Um, if it's a regular league with no captains, then even so, I'd prefer someone a bit higher. Okay. I mean, unless you've, as you say, you've got a couple of much better guys. If you get him as your M1 and you've got two others, if he's your third pick, you'd be... Less-
1: you'd take that. Yeah. Okay, all right. It'll be interesting to see where he goes in draft. coach. it feels like he's going to be one of those real early picks in AFL fantasy. That positional um, factoring both for him and how people choose to go about their drafts uh, will make it very very interesting mate appreciate your thoughts today on the bonds yep no worries if you want to go and read the article it is online now for you at coachespanel.tv as well as all the other players revealed so far in the 50 most relevant if you want to get early access to these podcasts The good news is you can. You can join the Patreon army and get early access to these podcasts and additional exclusive content. We venture it fully into the mid-30s tomorrow in the 50 most relevant, and it's an absolute cracker. I can't wait to chat about him with you tomorrow.